Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Gospel Nate. It is great to have you here again. Uh, we are in episode 10 this week. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this for 10 weeks now. Time really feels like it's been flying by. But it has been a blast the entire way. Having said that, last week was fun, right? We looked at furthering the idea of not giving preferential treatment to people. We also looked at how faith works and plays together. We established once again that works will never save you. But claiming faith and showing no fruits or works to back up the claim is a dead faith. This is applicable to tithing as well. The works are obedience to Jesus telling you what to do. Now, without further ado, let's begin chapter 3. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, I need you in this message. Father, we barely understand how we function in your kingdom realm, but through this entire book of James, we know that you're trying to explain that to us in one way or another. So Lord, I speak a blessing over the hearers that they would be able to perceive what you're trying to get through to them. And Lord, that everything that doesn't need to get through would just not be heard or remembered. And we give you the praise for all of this in Jesus name. Amen. James 3 verse 1. My brethren, do not let many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. The word teacher is didaskalos. Thayers defines this as one who teaches concerning the things of God and the duties of man, or one who is fitted to teach or thinks himself so. This isn't saying that if you were called, don't answer. This is a warning to those who would step into a teaching position when they are not called, Someone might do this if they want to work the system and control what others are doing and thinking. Certain televangelists and big-name preachers do this very thing. But James gives us a warning. Know or examine or perceive that we shall receive a greater or larger judgment. Being a teacher means that there are consequences. We are required to walk out what we teach and will be held accountable if we do not. This is not a terrible thing. If you are teaching, you should know the truth. If you know the truth, you should be walking it out. If you are walking it out, then there is nothing to worry about. What are the consequences of not doing this? If you are teaching others not to sin, or to not engage in sin, but you engage in that sin that you taught others to not do, you have nullified your message. It will cause them to stumble and they will walk away disenfranchised. How many times have we heard this in just recent times about this pastor or that author or that mus musical artist who has walked away from their faith and their family to just go live a lifestyle of sin? How many Christians, both new and old, have been completely devastated by these men's and women's exodus from the truth? There is an excellent article from John Cooper of the band Skillet on this very topic. It's definitely worth a Google search. So. Now we have all these people running around and freaking out because their leaders and people that they have placed on a pillar have fallen away. And what do you do now? Well, for starters, grow up. I know that sounds harsh, but stop making someone else's walk and life the definition of what a successful walk with Christ is. The perfect walk with Jesus is the walk that you perfect. It is the one where you are obedient to Jesus and follow his commands. Everyone else around you shouldn't matter. And I mean that from the perspective that they should not be able to shake your faith if they fall. James 3 verse 2 
For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. The hardest thing to not stumble in is how you use your tongue. Now, that word stumble is the Greek word pateo. It means to trip or to cause one to stumble or fall. This is a variant of the Greek phrase pipto peto, which means to descend from a high place to a lower place, metaphorically to fall under judgment or to come under condemnation. The reason that this is interesting is because it has a direct tie to parapipto. We looked at that back in verse 2 in James 1. Consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. Parapipto was the Greek word for fall into. So, we all stumble, even the good teachers. This is not an excuse for this action, however. I am not saying that it is okay to start walking in sin just because it happens. Just because it happens doesn't mean that it should happen. James is pointing out that as long as anyone is alive, there is potential to fall into sin. And the easiest way to stumble is with the tongue. We speak curses with it. We express a lack of faith with it. We express bad faith with it. We tear people down with it. We praise things that we ought not to be praising with it. James points out that if you can control your tongue and not stumble in words, you are perfect and able to control your entire body. That word bridle means just that, leading the body and guiding it in the direction it should go. Quick story time, because we always need a story time. This past week, I was in a bad mood. I was cranky one day, and I didn't know why. My coworker decided that that was the day to be childish and annoying. Though, honestly, he was just being himself, I was just being cranky. I was able to hold my tongue and did not lash out at him, which was good. In my thoughts, I was able to identify that I was cranky and worked up about something, so this was not all my coworkers' fault. This was also good. The problem is that I did not take the time to ask the Lord why I was feeling so cranky. This is bad. I only did half of what I was supposed to do. I only had half a correct response. What was the outcome? I didn't speak death to him, and I didn't instigate an argument, but I also didn't fix the problem in my soul. I am sure opportunity will present itself again, but I did mess up in that area by not addressing my heart issue. I tell you this story so that you can see and understand that not speaking everything on your mind is not the full solution. That just builds up tension and resentment in your heart. Take that to Jesus and deal with the issues so that you are not carrying around that junk with you. If you get something, deal with it right away there on the spot between you and Jesus. Don't wait for it. If you are still cranky and fighting wrong responses after that, ask Jesus if there is something else that needs to be dealt with. If nothing comes up, then go for the nuclear option. You obviously don't have Jesus' heart for this annoying individual at that moment. Ask Jesus to show you how he sees them, gain his heart for them, and it will help you in ways you cannot begin to fathom. Now, before I get too far off course, let's get back to our passage. James 3 one through two. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. If we are called to teach, then teach. But do so with the understanding that you will be held accountable for your walk. If you are not called to teach, then do not teach. 
There are other things God can use you in, and no one is perfect. We will all stumble in something, somewhere, someday. The stumble doesn't define you, your response does. I say that because your first response to something will, in most cases, determine how you respond going forward for some time. If you respond incorrectly, you have taken yourself outside of how Jesus defines you, stepped into a lie of how you define you, and caused a hardness of heart in that area. This is bad news all the way around. If you do not see yourself the way Jesus does, you will not act any different than how you see yourself. In other words, if you see yourself as a failed Christian and a sinner, you will act like one. If you see yourself as redeemed and righteous and pure, you will act that way. But you need to be inside Jesus and inside his presence. If you are not in Jesus, you will not behave correctly and you will feel condemnation. This is the point of Romans 8 verses 1 through 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The only time you see your freedom from sin and death is when you are in Jesus. Outside of him, you have given authority to your flesh, and you will see yourself as a slave of the flesh. You will always feel like you are fighting your flesh and always failing. Now let's get back to our passage. James 3, verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. What can I say? A little bit goes a long way. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll stop. At any rate, I like the word obey here. It is the Greek word pythio. It means to convince by either a good argument or a bad argument. It's a form of persuasion. When you put a bit in a horse's mouth, it creates pressure points. These pressure points will be either all on the tongue, all on the jawbone, or a combination of both. The pressure on a tongue makes the horse's head drop, while pressure on the jawbone makes the horse raise its head. Based on the bit, you can get any combination of both. So a horse is persuaded by a form of pressure and maybe a hint of discomfort. In like manner, so are we most of the time. We won't change our direction and actions unless we perceive some kind of discomfort associated with it. A tiny little bit causes a huge response from a mighty animal. James 3 verse 4 Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Rudders on a ship are considerably small compared to the size of the ship. It would be like your entire body being directed in its motions by your hand. James 3, 5 through 6. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire and a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. This is important to hear. Think about how you speak to and about people on a day-to-day -day basis. You can quite easily inflame people to riot with your words. You can cut people down with your words. You can make their lives a virtual hell with your words. In most of the forest fires that have taken place in the last two years around Colorado and the surrounding states, they have been started by small campfires or a careless spark from a cigarette. 
One little spark set everything ablaze. One careless word can have a massive effect. With our words, we can build up or destroy. With our words, we can bless or we can curse. We have covered this in the past, but I feel that it bears repeating. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. We have choices. We are never in a position where we must choose one thing or another. So how you respond is not on another person, it is on you. It doesn't matter how your parents raised you or how your family treated you. It doesn't matter if you were picked on in school or if you were the most popular. You are responsible for your choices. You are responsible for life and death, blessing and cursing. There is no way out of this. With our tongue we can speak curses and death and defile not just ourselves, but those around us. The dirty jokes, the idle gossip, the careless criticism of others, the list goes on. Matthew 12, verse 36 through 37. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The word idle is the Greek word argos. It means useless. The next word is the Greek word rhema. It is a specific spoken word. This does not mean that there is some magical phrase you will utter without knowing it and you will be condemned. This means that there is a conscious choice in speaking useless things. It is a sentence you strung together in your mind and let out of your mouth, and it was both useless and damaging. We all stumble in something according to James. Our speech will likely never be perfect all the time, but we can choose what we think. The Lord told me once that if you speak the words, then you have given them thought. Therefore, you are without excuse for running around and speaking bad things. Believe it or not, this was an argument I tried to win with him. I was feeling picked on again because he was requiring me to grow up. I didn't feel like I had a way of controlling my words that came out of my mouth. He proved me wrong and didn't even need to have a running dialogue to do it. We are without excuse for how we use our tongue. James 3 verse 6 says that the tongue defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is then in turn set on fire by hell. How does such a small member do so much damage? Proverbs 18 verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Because of the blessings and cursings we speak from it, words are powerful. And as we saw in Matthew, we will be held accountable for them. With a spoken word, Jesus called all of creation into existence. And while I do not believe that any one of us are going to call a planet into existence anytime soon, I do believe that we are capable of some pretty awesome and terrible outcomes based on our words in our own lives and in the lives of others. And this is as far as we are going to go into this episode. Uh, the Lord has given you enough to think about for now. Be wise in the words that you speak. Your words can change many mighty things. Situations and people that you may perceive as being giant, the wrong word spoken at the wrong time can have an impact on things beyond what you thought they would do. Be quick 
into hearing. Be slow into speaking. Be slow into wrath. Hear from Jesus before speaking. Speak what he tells you. Know his heart to know the right words. As a final reminder of what we started out on, if you have not been called to teach, do not step into that role. We do not teach to manipulate people and situations. We teach to bring people into the understanding of how their relationship with Jesus is supposed to work. As a teacher, you will be held to a higher standard. If you are called to be a teacher, do not delay. Get into the trenches as soon as you are able. There are people out there waiting to hear what God has taught you. The tie-in to the teaching and your tongue is that if you are not teaching correctly, if you are teaching to manipulate a system, teaching to manipulate people, then you are teaching death. You are teaching people to stumble. You're teaching people bad things. This will come back on you. This will also come back on them because they will be obeying the things that you teach. This is why it is so important to remember that we are held accountable and we are held to a higher standard because what we teach and what we speak will have an impact on everyone around us. Next week, we'll be wrapping up what I'm calling Taming the Tongue. So we'll be diving quite a few more verses into this chapter. So let's pray and I will see you next week. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that your word is good and that you have not spoken death over us, but you have spoken life into us. And Lord, we, we know that you have taught us good things. So Father, may we walk these out in our daily lives. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.